for a couple of hours. You know, it's so fitting here today that we'll be talking about family issues. You know, this is the fourth uh, topic in, in our series of Germinate. We'll be talking about claiming a family for the Lord. If you know, I've looked through and I read newspapers and we look on the news. It, you know, I, I, my heart just sink every time that we find out that the family is being one by one, that Satan himself is destroying the family. Do you agree with me? We have to understand when we talk about families, we are engaging ourselves into a spiritual realm where there is going to be a spiritual warfare that is being fought. And Satan would not and did not like it a bit because we're going to be talking about the family today. And as we come to the Lord, as we come to Him in talking about parenting, that's what I want to do. There is no PowerPoint because I, I just want to share a little bit of my personal journey with you. And trust that whatever what I share with you that will help you because I know there's a lot of young parents here, young people, and also grandparents. We have them here. And, and um, what I share with you, there may be some freebies that I want to throw out to you if you are parenting and that hopefully it will help you uh, in, your, uh, in your homes. We, my wife and I, we raised three boys. And uh, we've been parents for over 30 years. And even in, in the pastoral ministry, experiencing, seeing parents and families come and talk to us. You know, if I were able to wind the clock and put it, take, you know, wind the clock back, I, you know, and do the things in parenting with the things that I know now. I wish I'd be in your in your seat here listening to somebody say this is because when my wife and I, you know, when I, when we started our family, I was like one of these parents that said, you know what, before we had kids, you know, we had three theories. And then when we had three boys, we had three kids and we didn't have the theory. And frustrating, if you agree, would you agree with me, parents, that it is frustrating, it is hard work, it is difficult to parent. And, and today as we look at what God has, you know, uh, laid on my heart to share with you, I, I want to tell you that I want to share with you things that, I, I think that we have done a lot more mistakes than rights uh, when, when it comes to, to, uh, to parenting. And uh, through reading and, and, and through uh, studying the Word of God, I begin to understand how important and how significant it is. For me to come to the place of knowing that the family is dear to the heart of God. And, and He holds you so dear uh, to His heart. And, and here this afternoon, as I take this personal journey, uh, when it comes to, to parenting, uh, I, I want to share the things that I, I have learned a little bit about. Uh, our voice is not perfect. We are not perfect parents. You know, we struggle throughout. And, uh, and I know in our own lives, that uh, we have never given up on our faith in God, but sometimes it's frustrating when you have to deal with, you know, it's, it's hard today. Sometimes, you know, when you're parenting your children, whether it's your teenagers or young young uh, babies, and you, you're raising them, but you put on top of that maybe some economic pressures, and you put on that all kinds of pressures that come on you, and, and, uh, and the family dynamics sometimes change. You know, maybe you are a single parent here today, and, uh, and maybe you come from more non-traditional family, or you come from a family that that, um, that probably have never talked about God in your home, and you are the only Christian in that home. You find it really hard to, to live for the Lord in your home. And, and so there is dynamic in this auditorium here this afternoon. And each one of you, 
And not only the fact that you come from different, you know, background and different experiences, but at the same time, <clears throat> I, I want to challenge you because this is one of our value as Mosaic is that we want to live out our vision before the Lord. We want to be a church that accepts people of all races. We want to come to the place and say, I think that is how God intended the church of Jesus Christ. That everybody would dwell together. Whether you are white, black, dark, and all kinds, that we will come together. Well, here's my challenge to you. If your parents here today, if your parents, I'm going to ask you to explore other worlds than just your own. And begin to, to, to understand other cultures in because it, it's going to come whether we whether we like it or not. You know, I'm not doing any political. Speech. It's not political. This is just I think what God intended. But we need to understand each other. We need to lift the value of each other so that our children can watch it at the same time that they will understand then that there is a beautiful thing about diversity, and that they can your children can grow up and not only be tolerant towards other cultures, towards other people, but we will celebrate our uniqueness. Because that is what God wanted to do in our lives. And parents, I want to challenge you uh, to do that in your life and, and open up to another world. You know, Lloyd Minster has always been there. Like one time, you know, when I was pastoring one time, so many years ago, almost 14 years ago, you know, I, when I was pastoring in the church, you know, I often say that we are a multicultural church because I'm in it. And now we look at it, we look at all the different faces here, you know, that's way to go, Jose. May the door, let that door open to anybody, whoever soul, come, let them come. That, that's the Lord said. And we're not going to shut the door based on your ethnicity, based on your culture, based on your color. You come here because all of us realize that when we come to the cross of Jesus, everybody is on ground zero. It does not matter your color, your ethnicity, or your economic status. We need God. So this morning, this afternoon, as we look at what God has given us, the question is, so then how do we do that? Seeing that this is about claiming our family back to God. You know, in your discipleship material, if you're following that for your discipleship group, it's pretty powerful actually when you look at the lessons for this coming week in terms of, uh, of shepherding your family, leading your family back to the Lord. You know, claiming them for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you look at those uh, discipleship materials, take them home and begin to understand because two couple of scriptures in that uh, discipleship group material is in John chapter 10, basically about the Lord being our shepherd. And we look to him as our role model because God has called you to lead and to shepherd your family towards God and towards the fear of God. And understand that. And also in Ephesians chapter 1, we know how God has saved us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. For what reason? There is a purpose why God called each one of you. So this is not just a message to parents or to moms and dads or to adults, but also to us young people. Did you know that God can use you to bring your family to the Lord? And I've seen that in my experience in, in pastoring. So do not underestimate what God can, can do through your life because you are a young person. You know, God will take you and He will expand His kingdom through your commitment to the Lord. But how do we do that? You know, that if you are, uh, here let me just throw out some free, freebies to you in terms 
of, of parenting. If you are young, you know, in that stage of young kids and your parents, because I, I wish somebody had told me about this as in my reading and, and going to seminars about family. There's something that I want to throw out to you in terms of parenting. There are four stages uh, in parenting, and I think that this really makes sense. And the first stage in parenting is the discipline years. These are ages one to five. And the second stage is the training years. This is ages 5 to 12. Then there's the coaching years, that is ages 12 to 18. Then there is the friendship years, ages 8 and onward. I tried to befriend my kids when they were in junior high. You know how difficult that is? You know, there was one time when my kids, when I took them to high school, there was one time, you know, I drive them to school. And he says, you parents, I know you know this. You know that they say, stop, don't, don't drive to school. They stop, you know, a mile away from school. I'll walk to school, you know, it seems like. <laughs> it's true. You know, they will take it. Stop, don't do that, you know, because they don't want to be seen with their parents. But that's not the time. To friend, to befriend them. You see, then is the time for you to coach them. If you're befriending your little child, you know, I, you know, even in fact, even in the in discipline, when you discipline them in the first five years of their lives, because those are crucial years, parents. The first five years that for you to have an input in your children. You know, there are three things when it comes to discipline for our wife, my wife and I, there are three things that I see it as a non-negotiable in disciplining our children. And I'm not talking about abuse, I'm talking about discipline. And the first one is this, when they disobey. Disobedience. The second one is disrespect. When they don't respect you. And we find in those times that we administer, you know, discipline upon our children when we see them in those things. And then the third one is when they don't tell the truth. Those are the three things. Three non-negotiables. And maybe you have three non-negotiables in your family. But you better start administering them in the first five years. You know, Barnum Research tells us when your child reaches the age of 13, then by that age of 13, that child has already got what it takes to take that person throughout the rest of his or her life. So what is the point? The, first, the point is that the first 13 years of your child's life is critical. That is where you need to see that because you, you try to discipline your child when they are 12, 13 years, it is war city. It's over. You gotta stop. And so I just throw that out to you, but when it comes to leading your children to faith in God, you saw what happened in all this, shepherding your children to the Lord and leading them and being the shepherd of your home. But I want to add to the list that has already been handed out to you for discipleship group. And there's a principle that I want to talk to you because it's a principle that I know. You know, I was talking to a couple of ladies outside here before, you know, after this first service. They said, you are so right. Because the problem is, that she said, 
when, when, we, when we hold back because of self-centeredness, that there was something that is not, the door is not open to talk to my children. But when they allow themselves to be vulnerable and submit and humble themselves, the door was swung wide open for discussion. And the principle that I want to add to is the principle of mutual submission. And the reason that I add that on is because it is the hallmark of the life of Jesus Christ. God demonstrated his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He submitted himself to you. And I'm going to take us through a portion of scripture. Because I know that when we begin to see what God can do through your family and begin to understand the word of God that is being instilled and imparted upon your children, you're going to learn a deed, an imprint, a stamp upon your children. Do you want to lead your family to the Lord? Or submit yourself? Ephesians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, let me just read that to you in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, chapter 5, verse 21. There's one verse that I want to um, base my talk on here uh, this, this afternoon. Submit to one another. In other words, put yourself under. That's what the meaning of the word is, put yourself under. Submit yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you know what the Apostle Paul is doing here? The Apostle Paul is giving you an overarching principle that later on in that portion of scripture, you will apply it specifically. But this is the overarching principle you find in verse 21. If you are a husband, if you are a wife, let me tell you that you will make miles, you will create distance when it comes to your relationship, when you begin to apply what this means, submit yourself to one another out of fear for the Lord. But the thing is this, the point that I want to make is this, everybody submit to everybody else. In other words, children submit to your, to your, to your parents. Mom, you know, submit to your daughter. Daughter, submit to your mother. Everybody submit to one another out of reverence for the Lord. Do you know what that will do to your family if you begin to just practice that? We don't want to do it because we are so full of self-centeredness. I cannot do that. You know, I want to show you an example of what that means of submitting to one another. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Philippians chapter 2. So in verse 3, this is the example of submission expressed through the life of Jesus Christ. That's why I think it's a powerful model in reaching your children, reaching your family for the Lord and claiming them for the Lord. You express the same attitude. Here in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition. In other words, get rid of any competitive spirit in your home. Do you know something? 
I'm a very competitive guy. If I win a tennis match, there's a sense of reward for me. You win in your work, you get rewarded by a boss. But you win in the home, you both lose. Because I've got to have my right. I've got to demand this. I've got to. That is our human nature. We've got to do this. I have to be right. We have this competitive spirit. Here's what Paul is saying. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Kill it. Or vain conceit. Here's the key. But in humility, submitting yourself under, in humility, Consider others better than yourself. Consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Well, I, my nature tells me I have some problem with that. Because the Word of God is saying each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also the interest of others. Because I will probably, the fact is that I naturally cling towards the thing that I am interested in. And I spend time with those. You know, my wife is a walker, and I'm, you know, like when she walked, her last name is Walker. <laughs> when she walked, she walked. You know, that she, she's way up there. You know, here I am, you know, just life is good, you know, you look around and things, and it's, my point is not get to that destination, but my point is enjoy the walk. Be where you are at. And when she said, let's go hiking, let's go walking, and I, I don't like food, you know, I enjoy, just put a racket in my hand, I'll be good. But it's the, the most difficult thing for each one of us. The most difficult thing for each one of us is for us, you know, to do that. Each of you should not look to your own interest, but also to others. Your attitude should be the same as the Lord Jesus Christ. Who being in very nature God, this is powerful. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He never take his power, his influence, and leverage his for his own sake. He took his power. He took his influence. He took all of who he is. And he submitted himself for the sake of other people. Well, that, man, that's a counterculture. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Made himself nothing. In another translation, he emptied himself. We live in a culture where basically it's the opposite. We're so full of ourselves. But this principle of submission, 
understand this from this verse. And he said, he made himself nothing. He made himself, he emptied himself. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He submitted under the authority of another. Who did he humble himself to? To his father? No. He humbled himself to you. Imagine the God of the creation. He created this world. And he humbled himself to you. How did he do that? He became obedient to death. Wow. He became obedient to death. And that is how he humbled himself, ladies and gentlemen. This is what mutual submission is all about. In fact, everyone is to submit to everybody in the family out of reverence for Jesus Christ because he modeled it to us. That's why it's a powerful outreach, a powerful evangelism too. Because we often have all of these four reasons why you need to come to the Lord and we talked about them. All the, just the, how about living your life in the way humble yourself? You'd be amazed to see the conversation that you would have with your children, with your wife, with your husband. And then you would have an opportunity to bridge that gap. An opportunity to talk to them about the Lord. And not only that, you know, this principle of mutual submission, I believe this is God's solution to all the problems and human conflicts between individuals. He said then, I'm going to give an overarching principle, submit to one another. And then he applied it specifically. If you read chapter 5 of Ephesians and on to chapter 6, here's basically how you specifically apply this overarching principle. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Father, do not exasperate your children. That's pretty much it. That's the deal. That is what the Christian family look like. And you're looking at this list and you say to me, oh man, that this is something way, way up here I cannot attain. In fact, if you look at all of these ideals and this about what a Christian family look like, you know, if that was for me and I look at that list, I look at myself and I will say, fail, fail, fail. Because there are things in our own life that we struggle with and we begin to see, okay, this is the ideal, this is what God wants this family to be, but this is what I'm experiencing now. So that there is a tension between what is out there, what is ideal, and then what is real for me. And God is saying, don't you get rid of anything between the two because there's a tension there, you need to manage that tension. principle that all of us need to be submitted submit ourselves to one another out of fear for the Lord 
Notice he did not say you are not to submit yourself to each other out of reverence for each other. Did he say that? No, he didn't. Because let's face it, each other is not always worth submitting to. Agree? But he's saying submit to one another out of fear and reverence for the Lord. Not out of fear and reverence for each other. This is this is this is really powerful because here's what I'm saying. When I say to submit myself, I am submitting to each other, not because they are worth submitting to. But I am doing it out of reverence for Jesus Christ. That's why I'm doing it. Here's why this is powerful. This is, this is life changing for your family. Especially if this principle of submission becomes central in your family. I'm taking my gifts, I'm taking my influence, I'm taking my power, I'm taking my authority, whatever it is, and I'm gonna leverage that for your sake. That's it. That's it. Your family will be in the place that there will be a happy family because you administer this principle of submission. The reason we don't do it is because we're so full of ourselves. What did we read in Philippians chapter 2? He emptied himself. And you find this is one of the reasons. Let me tell you something. Because this principle of mutual submission begs us to ask this one question. And if we take this question, I believe that you will make, you know, uh, marriage in your, in your home, in your family. Here's the question of this principle mutual submission. Here's the question. Wife, honey, what can I do? Very simple. Son, what can I do to help? Husband, what can I do to help? This will revolutionize your home. Young people, listen to me. Imagine you come home from school. You walk out of the kitchen and dad is in the kitchen. And you look up to him and say, Dad, what can I do to help? And then you go to your room and you come back. Your dad is still turning around in the kitchen because he doesn't know what just happened. <laughs> he will be shaking in that kitchen and say, what have I just heard? Imagine what would happen in your home. You go home and you tell mom, what can I do to help? And then husband, you come from work and you look at your wife and say, honey, what can I do to help? It will revolutionize the impact and the dynamic in your home. Amen. You'll be a 
managed to see the opportunity as I was talking to this lady outside talking about her son. She said, you know, we applied that principle and said, gee, you know what? It gave us an opportunity to talk to him about the Lord. Because you're living in the heart of Jesus Christ. That's a powerful tool to change what happened. And as we come to the close, just take that principle together with the principle that you need to shepherd your home and to lead your home for Jesus Christ. Take it with you. And begin to implement. And imagine how that's going to change. Gee, because we're afraid to do that. You know, the kids are afraid to do that to their parents. They're afraid to do that because, you know, imagine, you know, say, Pastor, I'm not going to say that to my dad. I know if I say that, what can I do to help? Dad is going to get me to shovel the snow on the sidewalk. Dad is going to do this. this. That's the whole kinds of stuff. You see, no parent, here's the thing. What we what we used to do is we're used to giving instructions. We're used to finding ways that we can, oh, this is a teachable moment for us. We, we, we're all full of that. But what if you switch that? Instead of giving instruction to your children, stop and surprise them. What can I do, son? To help you. <laughs> I tell you what. You have somebody that you will go out for dinner with that person and you know you're gonna have ample opportunities to talk to them about the Lord because dad that's what you did. Can you do me some a favor dad today? Can you go home and do that? Ask your child. Ask your daughter. What can I do? Bless each one of you as you do that. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells us, God demonstrated in his love towards you that while you were yet sinners, when you submit yourself, Christ died for you. Died for you. God bless you.